Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 105, your weekly Magic the Gathering-related podcast covering everything uh, having to do with the game. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. So, hello, everyone on YouTube. Uh, joining me, as always, uh, is Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? Hey, Chaz. What's going on? It's it's going well. Quite the weekend. We are going to dive in really quickly on this. Uh, Seth, our resident jank brewer and all-around MTG content creator. What's going on, Seth? Probably better known as Saffron Olive. Oh, what's up, guys? Ready to talk some Ether Revolt. We finally have new cards in Standard. I'm super excited to uh, finally get to talk about it. Yep, fresh off of vacation and ready to talk Aether Revolt. Uh, Chaz, uh, again, always is uh, is joining you. I I produce everything, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering related content, uh, but focusing on the financial aspect. So, SCG Columbus is in the books. Aether Revolt is now fully in standard. The bans are in place, and we got to see what people, how people are kind of attacking a post ban metagame. So, the top sixty four lists are published on the website, so you can see them there. And some interesting stuff. <laughs> I love to hear your guys' take on this because as I'm watching it, I'm just kind of like hearing you guys talk in the back of my head and I'm like laughing as I'm watching the SCG stream. And it's just great. I can't wait to uh, to talk about it. So why don't we just jump right in um, to SCG Columbus and then after we'll discuss just a couple little things about modern and fish mail. So what did you think about the post-banning Aether Revolt standard, Richard? Looks good so far. So I watched mostly uh, Saturday. Sunday, there was a conflict with football, so I chose football. But on Saturday, we saw a lot of different decks. Uh, Emrakul was gone. Spellers Copter is gone. Uh, so we saw Delirium decks, green-black Delirium decks. We saw green-black plus-one, plus-one counter-focus decks. Uh, tokens, green-white, uh, Colossus decks. And, of course, Sahili was everywhere. Uh, what's interesting to me is Walking Ballista. Uh, if you look at the cards that were banned, uh, cards that are good, you know, two mana colorless cards that can be played, like Copter, Hangerback Walker, and now we have Walking Ballista, which showed up in a big way. So that's pretty interesting, and uh, I'm putting an asterisk beside that one. Uh, colorless cards that can end up in any deck that can be cast at any point on the curve seem a little suspicious. Uh, but other than that, the bannings look good. I, I think if we had did not get the bannings, we would not see this diversity. Uh, so sucks for people's wallets, but good for watching and good going into the pro tour. Well said, Seth. Did you get to? Uh, I'm sure you were watching with bated breath uh, on your on your vacation. So what did you think? I was pretty happy with it as well. I mean, it was much more diverse and. I was impressed that a lot of the decks that got targeted by the bannings were still around. Uh, surprisingly to me, probably the biggest loser was the blue-white decks, and those were the ones that had what I thought was the least impactful of the bannings. Of course, it's maybe more that if you're playing those color combinations, you want to be playing the copycat combo, so that might be more of what happened rather than uh, the old-school blue-white mid-range flash decks being just bad but we saw green black decks perform really well they kind of skewed aggro which is kind of what we expected we had seen builds like that before we still have some vehicles lists that mostly uh with a few upgrades tossed in heart of kieran in the smuggler's copter slot but are still playable so i was pretty happy that it seemed like the bannings 
hurt the big decks enough that you would consider other options, but they didn't hurt those decks so much that they're just unplayable. So if you had Mardu Vehicles, you had Green Black Delirium, you still have something you can kind of throw some new cards in and keep playing. So even though it sucks to lose value on your Emrakuls, on your Smuggler's Copters, your deck as a whole is still pretty functional if you can adapt a little bit. Can we cue that uh, Sahili clip that we had in the uh, <laughs> uh, 100? <laughs> Jazz, oh, Sahili's still not good, Jazz. It's, it's, <laughs> but I totally predicted that they would print a, a Splinter Twin combo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, file not no, found. <laughs> I, <laughs> file not for, uh, I, I think I think at least we can agree that the deck is a thing like it, it i think going into it a lot of people kind of were like oh it's easily disruptible oh like if you're just trying to go with the combo it's cute but it's not going to work and this that and the other thing i think we can agree that it's gonna it, it's it's gonna be around in some capacity whether this continues on into the pro tour is one thing but i think and we talked about this that the pro tour does dictate some like the meta going forward but there's still kind of a this this lower scg like metagame and i think people will continue to play this deck even like regardless of what happens at the pro tour this just kind of feels like that deck that you could play this controlled shell and then just throw the sahili twin in there or the sahili combo in there or copycat or whatever you want to call it and you can feel comfortable with that about that and that's really what i saw the whole weekend it was a lot of these jeskai dynavolt tower lists that were pretty much around before the bannings but they kind of fell off a little bit and they basically just incorporated the sahili combo and then there was these weird four color lists that looked actually pretty cool but some of them were playing some really odd cards and i was like what is going on with this but at least it looked fun yeah it reminds me of the eldrazi you know when the eldrazi came out people were like yeah these cards are broken how can i build a deck and there were like eight different eldrazi decks and that's what we got with Sahili. We got the yeah, energy-focused yeah. ones. We got the uh, I'm going to use Guardian as a value card ones. We got the straight I'm just going to combo you as fast as I can. And then we got the I'm a control deck and here's a two-card finisher. So there were many, 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 many Sahili decks, even though they're all called you know Jeskai Sahili or four-color Sahili. So post-Pro Tour... If this is a thing, the pro teams will figure out the best build and we'll only have one, kind of like we ended up with Eldrazi. So it'll be pretty interesting to see if the pros deem this to be a real deck or not and kind of just consolidate all of these builds into a single optimal build. Right. That's actually a really good comparison, so I'm glad you brought that up. That That is pretty much what we're seeing, right? And it looks cool now. I'm sure the pros, if they deem it worthy enough to play, I'm pretty sure that uh, it's kind of hard to say that they won't because it it looks pretty good, but you're right. We will see the kind of the version going forward. And to, to your point, Seth, I think the biggest loser was Aetherworks. I mean, I don't know. I, I only really saw one in the top 64. I'm sure others have come, you know, were on camera here and there. I, I don't really think I saw one uh, that I can remember. Maybe I missed a, a, a round or two, but it sort of seems like that was the most impacted one because they just can't. They just can't find that threat that's that's like Emrakul. I mean, how do you really replace Emrakul? You can't. So I guess you know maybe they go Ulamog or maybe the the pros figure out. Oh, it's it's still a deck. But it looked like the blue white lists were still there, but they morphed into like these Esper 
agro lists or these these I saw like a blue white spirits list. So that kind of seems like how that deck has evolved. And I want to see more of what people th- are doing with the the aggressive end of the uh of this uh metagame because we see the the black red the black green counters list and the black green aggro list. That kind of seems like our mid-range. Then you have the Sahili, which is like the control combo. I want to see more of like these vehicles lists and how these Esper lists kind of still evolve because that they they can still put out some really potent early turns and, and get under that combo really easily, as we've seen. I think that the green-black decks are pretty aggressive, though. I mean, I guess maybe they're slightly more on the, the mid-range side of being aggressive, but they're definitely a lot more aggressive than they were before when you were kind of playing towards Ishkana and Emerkel. Instead, you're playing, like, a lot of two-drops. Uh, you got Rishkar, who was probably one of the big winners as far as new cards, along with... Uh, Walking Ballista and Winding Constrictor was it was very impressive in a lot of games I saw. So I think it's interesting to see that taking off. And maybe we'll see decks that are more aggressive than that, but I think that those decks are pretty aggressive in their own right. As far as Marvel, I think that deck's pretty dead. On the other hand, I'm still super scared of Sahili Twin or Copycat or whatever we're going to call that. I fully expect that when Pro Tour rolls around, that is the most popular deck and the most broken deck. And I still expect that that's going to be on the potential banning radar over the long term, because I mean, it was 40% of the top 64 or approximately 38 to 40%. And that's with people playing very scattered random builds as Richard mentioned, and no one really knows the best way to abuse that. I think that once we come out of the pro tour, I would not be at all surprised to see that that combo is the best or one of the best things to do in the format. What do you guys think of actual gameplay? It it looks a bit miserable to me, and I'm not sure if new players will like it, where starting on turn four, if you tap out, you die. And a turn four Emrakul is good, but you're not technically dead, whereas turn four Copycat, you, you could just straight up be dead. And if they want to play it safe and do it all at once, turn six is the earliest they can do it. Uh, turn eight with Negate backup. Uh, it it looked kind of miserable introducing a new generation to Splinter Twin. Uh, what do you think like casual players or new players will think of this? Do you think this will lower FNM attendance or do you think people will be on board slinging combos and killing people like out of nowhere? Yeah, actually that's a great point. And I'm going to bring up because that actually came up with Cedric and, um, and Patrick and they talked about that. And outside of the, the Sahili Twin, like there was a lot of, longer games a lot of interaction a lot of things were going on and like you said said that uh, i think we you said it just recently or before we were starting that the games kind of were seem seem to be a little more drawn out now that there's so many things going on and you don't have to worry about you know dying to emrakul now really you're just kind of worrying about the the splinter twin they talked about it's like before like like with the aether works you know i don't really think you could pressure them enough like you could kind of pressure them enough but you still have to do the same thing with the Sahili list that you just have to really just play your cards and they, if they have it, they have it and they don't, they don't like, you can't just let them sit around and, and basically just build their hand to eventually have it. Like you got to play magic still. Yeah. I think the comment, I think, I think it was Patrick Sullivan. He said, you're going to lose 50% of your magic games anyway. So you might as well just tap out and go for it because right. if you don't like nothing, like 
you're you're just losing slowly, right? That's exactly what the twin player wants. I don't know, but it it feels bad, no? Like I know people always complain about getting turn one or turn two killed in Legacy and Vintage, or turn three killed in Modern. Uh, is a turn four kill in Standard any better? Like yeah, you play it and you know forty percent of the time they'll have it, they'll kill you. Sixty percent of the time you'll go through. But I think players just generally don't like losing the game on the spot without any power. So I, I, I don't know how yeah. people will feel about this. I think there's a huge divide in players. Like, I think if you're someone who plays modern, legacy, vintage, any of those older formats, or maybe even have been playing just standard for a while, then you're probably okay with it. Like, you're used to that kind of stuff happening, used to that style of gameplay. You might even enjoy that style of gameplay. On the other hand, if you're a new player, I imagine it being really frustrating and potentially being something that would keep you away from going to FNM and playing tournaments. But I think it really depends on how often that's happening. If that, if those decks, I mean, we saw the top 64, I mentioned earlier, 38, 40%. If, if we're really having that percentage of decks that are running this combo, even if they're different color combinations and some are more controlling, some are more value, but if we're having 40% of decks playing this combo, I think that that's a major issue. On the other hand, if this is a, 8%, 10% deck, and you're running into it once a week, every other week at FNM, then it's probably fine. So I think that's what it comes down to. But I think that Wizards, with the new second banning window post Pro Tour, are going to have a really quick hook with this combo. Like, if it does come out of the Pro Tour looking like this is one of the top decks, and the next tournament or two after the Pro Tour doesn't change that. I think that we'll see this just immediately get the first banning possible in that new banning window before that reason, because new players are going to be hesitant of that style of gameplay and not want to go to FNM. So do you think it's Emrakul like for the first month? Like, yeah, so cool. People figured out how to use this like big card. And even uh, on cast, they were talking about, yeah, I hope we see an Emrakul deck and it didn't come up this weekend. And then next pro tour, it just takes over. And then everyone's sick of Emrakul. Do you think it's like that, where for the first month, we're all enamored by Sahili, and then, you know, six weeks later, we're like, okay, this card's dumb, let's, let's, let's get it out of here? I think players will hate it quicker, because it feels, as you mentioned, like, for it's, it's kind of the difference between a removal spell and a counter spell. Like you said, with Emrakul, it feels like you're still playing Magic. Like, if you're new to Magic, you don't know how bad... <laughs> what just happened to you was when your opponent takes your turn with Emrakul. Like, you know that something not good is happening, but you don't see the full, like, enormity of that situation and realize that even if you live a couple more turns, you just lost the game. With this combo, you know that you just lost the game because the game literally ends and you have to pick up your cards. So I think that it will be more frustrating for newer players than Emrakul was. All right, serious question. Will you quit Magic Online if this is a Tier 1 deck? Nothing is more miserable than trying to combo off infinitely on Magic Online by putting in uh, 20 tokens. Well, actually, I think Wizards changed this. Oh. 
or they're in the process of implementing the change. I don't know if it started yet, but there's a new option that supports infinite combos on Magic Online that either, I think it's coming this downtime or the next downtime. So I think it'll be slightly less miserable. So they knew this was going to be a thing because I never played Splinter Twin on Moto because of how miserable it is to actually combo off when you win. <laughs> You're like, okay, just please scoop. Come on, scoop. <laughs> and if they don't scoop, yeah. you got to sit there and click like 80 times to get the win. They, they basically change it so now if you have a card like uh, Felidar Sovereign, you can make it so it always, that card, any card with that name will always perform the same action. So you can not only set it so always yes, but any copy you have. So when your token copy enters the battlefield, it will still automatically uh, say yes to the ability. So I hopefully that makes combos a little bit less uh, frustrating on Magic Online. I still don't think they'll be easy and fun to play so hopefully they're heading in the right direction though by the sounds of it nice okay i took us totally off topic so back to the (laughs) actual winner of the tournament green black decks actually took down the classic in addition to the open uh what do you guys think of the innocuous uh winding constrictor black green two three if one or more counters would be put on something uh put an additional counter love the card and multiple times have we seen we saw that card over the weekend completely take over a game with walking ballista like when those two cards are on the battlefield it almost just looks unfair because it is unfair i mean they just take over a game so quickly and honestly if we're talking about sahili i mean walking ballista is the answer to that list and what's so great about it is it's completely on curve like you just go one mana do something two mana ballista three mana you know wrist car whatever or you know the winding constrictor and you just you just go on from there you know and patrick sullivan also brought this up during the scg tour and i think i'm gonna lean with him and as much as it would be a feel bad that people may not like the sahili twin or if if the pro tour happens and it's like all over the place and people kind of get upset with it i do think it's a little i think the optics would be a little bad to ban again after a pro tour because they did mention that like I'm pretty sure they knew about the, the combo. Like, I think they, Sam openly said that they knew about it, that they felt that there's enough answers in the format. And I do think Walking Ballista is a very good answer to it. You know what, what would pressure Sahili pretty well? Smuggler's Copter. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, back to Windy Constrictor. So I have really mixed feelings about this card. I really like the card, and it's obviously really powerful, but it feels like the latest in a long line of cards that I don't like because it's basically taking a popular spell or non-creature effect and stapling it to a really efficient body and making a push card like Spell Queller or uh, some of the other creatures we've seen because this is basically something we've seen like in Hardened Scales or reminiscent of part of doubling season and stuff like that. So I don't know if I like that the card exists, but I it is clearly very powerful. Like if there's one impression I had of the tournament this weekend, it's that Winding Constrictor is very very strong it reminds me of Deathrite shaman did it need the extra toughness could it just not be a 2-2 or a 2-1 like did it really need to be a 2-3 you know on top of its ability and being two mana it, it seems just a little strong uh its ability is like you said a standalone card a rare at that and it's stapled as on a two mana 2-3 so maybe they just made it a 2-2, but uh, it, it kind of gave life to Green Black. A lot of people thought Green Black would no longer 
be a deck. Uh, it's playing kind of the mid-range game, and traditionally that sucks against combo decks. So if Sahili is a big thing, but uh, like Chaz said, Constrictor, Ballista, uh, and just general pressure from uh, Grim Flayer and uh, Virtus Gearhulk and stuff uh, make the deck pretty competitive. And I think, I actually think this will be the most popular deck going into the Pro Tour. I think yeah, because... uh, a lot of people have the cards already and right, right. they're experienced with the deck and it seems to handle copycat pretty well. Like Ballista is a really, really good card and Virtus Gearhulk is a really good card, right? So you have all the tools available. So I actually think this will be the most popular deck going into the Pro Tour. Yeah, it, it just has a lot of different... It's it's like the... Not to directly compare, but it's like... I feel like it can become the Jund of Standard, where it just has a good matchup overall. And I do feel like what you're saying is right, Richard, that the pros can kind of mold this in a way that it just generally has you know all the tools it needs in the main deck to combat a lot of different things. And you know, um, the commentary this weekend was really great and attributes to how great the, you know, Cedric and, and Patrick cover these tournaments and even with new cards that some of the commentary was uh, amazing. And the the one thing that did come up before the, the this first tournament was the big weakness that the Sahili twin combo does not have flash. And that is, that can be exploited the most. Like, not to the fact that it's, like, bad because it doesn't have flash, because obviously it still works, but the big thing is it do- does not have flash. And this, and I remember when Splinter Twin with Deceiver Exarch was in standard, and it was a lot harder to combat that. Like, it really felt that that deck just, it just ran over standard. There really wasn't anything that you could do to really stop it very well, because it's just, you can't do anything when they're playing the combo at the end of your turn, and it's even worse, because if they have it, it's starting on turn three, not even turn four, because they can flash in the Deceiver X arc at the end of your turn, and then they just go off from there. The Sahili twin, like, if you present a board state and you're going to play Sahili, like, it's going to die immediately because now you're proposing this threat that they can't even play their Sahili on turn three, so how are they even going to be able to combo on turn four when Sahili immediately dies to uh, a bevy of different things? Like you said, Richard, like a Grim Flare, the, the constrictor, just any of their creatures are going to take it down. So that's really where you have to attack this combo is that you have to present a pretty aggressive board state even early on to just kind of get under that so they can't really play their Sahili on turn three into an open field. So what are your thoughts on Hardy Curran? It was in 35% of decks. So for perspective, uh, Sahili Rai was in 40% of the decks. Uh, the Let's say Thraven Inspector, only 26%. So it seemed like everyone was running Hardy Curan, uh, but it wasn't that flashy. It didn't really make a big impact. It was the ninth most played card in the top 64, but it was pretty quiet. Like, is Crew 3 fair? Like, did, did you guys think it was an unfair card? Do you think this was a new Smuggler's Copter, or was this just kind of an efficient beater with downside? An efficient beater with downside. It's never gonna. It's never going to overtake the hype of Smuggler's Copter and how efficient that card was, but... You're right. It quietly was a really good card at the tournament, and it even made the top eight. And it's it it is a very good card, especially to pressure again these. I guess that even the black green uh, com- uh the the black green list because they have a pretty big weakness to flying other than the the mine rack demon that the one list was playing. Not many. I think a few other of them were playing that too. But other outside of mine rack demon, you really can't do anything about this card other than try to hopefully fatal push it when they go to crew it. But the crew three does make it pretty fair. I I actually 
came away with the impression that Ether uh, Sphere Harvester was the more impressive of the two vehicles. Like, I know it wasn't as heavily played, but it dodges Fatal Push, it blocks Heart of Kirin, uh, it has Lifelink, which is pretty relevant. So I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward we see more decks use that as the vehicle of choice because it does have that crew one like smuggler's copter i know you're paying one more mana up front which can be a little problematic on curve especially in the vehicles type decks but i thought that looked better than heart of kirin when i saw it on camera at the tournament this weekend yeah it was very good very good and again like like you said seth i know they it's like they packed even more onto the Constrictor because, I mean, it really, the deck revolves around Constrictor. Like, it, it's the engine of the list. And a lot of people, like, even it goes further that the energy clause on the bottom that may not always be very relevant is very relevant when it comes to Aethersphere Harvester and even Glintsteve Siphoner, which at times was, it looked better than Dark Confidant. I mean, truly, when you when you could play it and you automatically get the energy to use its ability because you have a constrict. That's another card that I thought looked a lot better than I initially thought, especially when you're playing uh, with the Winding Constrictor. So it's really just the engine that makes everything go. Yeah, I, I thought it was the best card in the deck. I mean, maybe Walking Ballista because of how it fights the combo, but if you watch the games play out, there was a huge difference uh, in the green-black decks when they had a windy Constrictor and when they did not. Like, that, it really is the card that pushes the deck over the top, and essentially every other creature, and even Nissa the Planeswalker in the deck interacts with that card in a really positive way. So I think we'll definitely see more of it. On the other hand, I got a question for you guys. Uh, What we did not see at this tournament was any of the stuff that seemed potentially broken. We didn't see, uh, other than the Sahili Rai combo, we didn't see Paradox Engine. We didn't see the Expertise Cycle pretty much at all. Any of the other combos that we were talking about. So do you think that, we will see those things at the Pro Tour. Is this just people playing pretty obvious stuff, slotting some new cards into their old decks for the first week, uh, and we're going to see a big change with all these potentially powerful combo-y broken cards at the Pro Tour, or are those things just not good enough, do you think, for Standard? I'm actually going to answer your question with your with your own findings on this one, because you wrote an article back in October about uh, if Week 1 decks really impact the pro tour and i do think we'll see some of this stuff but i think you're right on this one like people are mostly playing it safe they're playing just cards that are generally good on their own where but i mean sometimes you have a a deck like with the constrictor where they're just better because of constrictor but normally what we saw was you're, you're exactly right like we just saw all the good stuff that doesn't really need a lot of finesse to be good whether that whether pros are trying to build like an aether Flux Reservoir is that is that what that card is called the Reservoir? Uh, yeah, that's one. Yep. Aether Flux. Yeah, like I don't know if they're going to be going that like off the hinges about it, but I think we could see something potentially because I mean LSV. I mean the last time they're the ones that really made that Cryptolith right. Uh, this is going back to Shadows Over Innistrad Pro Tour that Cryptolith right list and like it was basically. A, a huge value is so maybe they could do something with the paradox engine because that could, that seems like it could be real but for now i think uh we're just going to see basically what we see is that th- these decks are just good and there's just they're just playing good cards and maybe we'll see some extra 
brewing at the Pro Tour. But I don't even know if they're going to go that far because pros kind of like to play it safe too, and they just like like just good lists. They don't want to like play these crazy lists. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a, a Dragonstorm <laughs> combo again because uh, Patrick Chapin uh, definitely played a <laughs> Dragonstorm at once, so maybe he'll do something weird. Yeah, I think generally week one results, they're pretty standard decks. They're the decks that you find on Reddit. They're the decks that if you sat down and had to use your regular amateur mind to come up with, that's what you come up with. And sometimes those happen to be the best decks and the pros just refine it slightly. But other times uh, the pros like just come up with totally crazy stuff that's not anywhere close to what you were thinking. So I, I don't know. I don't think this is our metagame. I, I'm pretty sure... We'll see different stuff. I mean, at the very least, we'll see a refined Sahili list if that's the real deck. But I, I don't think, uh, you know, Mardu Vehicles, Green Black Aggro, and stuff like that, even those decks have a lot of variation right now. Uh, so I think what we see at the Pro Tour will be vastly different. And I wouldn't be surprised if a couple new archetypes showed up. Expertise Cycle, I'm still convinced they're broken. And if they turn out to be balanced, then apparently I know nothing about magic and I have to reevaluate magic. But I, I think. I think we'll see something. I think uh, either more combos or maybe aggro lists, control lists, uh, or refined copycat, refined green-black rock lists. Yeah. And again, I think we can end on what what your conclusion was from that article, Seth, that recently it's been a little bit better that you do kind of see some of the foundation of what we will, you know, what we're going to look at going forward after the Pro Tour or during the Pro Tour and after that, that, you know, like early on that that humans list was doing really well to to use an example from your article, and then we saw that like at the pro tour so I think it's it's getting better in the sense that as we go along that just some of those lists are just good enough, like you said, Richard, that they're just good enough, and that the pros just refine those. but I do think there's still a lot of room to uh to innovate here. I really hope there's the draft deck like uh the Eldrazi the blue red Eldrazi deck because <laughs> this standard's kind of expensive right now uh but I don't. I don't. Winding Constrictor was a draft all star, so so maybe we're already there. But hey, I I do think the Adrazi can still be a thing. I, I don't know what you would play turn one, but the uh, Metallic Mimic into the Sky Spawner seems pretty good. <laughs> hey, I don't no, know. Maybe no Tezzeret. Speaking of bad cards, no, no Tezzeret at all. No Tezzeret. Uh, no Planeswalker intro deck Planeswalkers. <laughs> like, <laughs> we saw a couple of Johnnies. We saw a couple of Johnnies, but no Tesla right. at all. The schemer was and, not scheming. And what happened to all those Colossus lists? Uh, they started off strong. Where did they, where, starts and ends with him. <laughs> where did they go, Seth? Uh, you 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 said they were so they were all over the place. It's like what I heard for the first few hours is, oh my god, the Colossus lists are everywhere. They're like taking over. The entire SEG, like wherever they were holding it, uh, the convention is just everywhere. What I don't see any in the top sixty-four even. Uh, well, people played them because they were on camera the first few rounds, but apparently they were not quite good enough, at least for oh, the first man. week. So, uh, we'll see. I guess Joel Lissette said that he thinks the deck has potential to be good. He's one of the people that played it. Um, has potential to be good, but it's not quite there yet, and it needs some more work as far as fine-tuning it. So we'll see. That could be something that pops up in future weeks, I think, still. Uh, wasn't it him? I don't know if like if he was part of that group that said something similar, the last standard, and they were playing like uh, they were trying to do this, um, like the thing in the ice list, and they completely went off on some other deck with like the goggles. 
So I don't know if that's like if it's not there yet means we're never going to play this again. <laughs> <laughs> that could legitimately be his his underhanded tone. There is that. Well, it's not here, so yeah, we're never going to play it. again. I don't know, but not even in the top sixty-four. I mean, come on. Well, there wasn't much room amid all the Sahili combo decks for oh. <laughs> for anything else. Wasn't the Colossus kind of like a kind of like a control or a combo deck? I mean, so I mean, essentially, your combo is playing right. huge creatures. But I guess when you're playing ten tens and they're playing a million one fours, well, yes, that's one of the. <laughs> A million, a million duck-sized Eldrazi beat one Eldrazi-sized duck or whatever that Reddit question yeah, is. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. But I think All you right, want so, the infinite Philidaire Guardians over one Metalwork Colossus. I think it's yeah, the more I, story. I, uh, yeah, I think so, too. And clearly, from the results, it looks that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we're all pretty optimistic going forward, but uh, I could see both of your tunes changing really quickly. I, I just, again, I was just hearing you both talk, and it's like, are we done with Sahili combo yet? <laughs> Can we move on and ban it? Hey, I'm fine with games ending fast. <laughs> if I'm going to lose, I might as well lose in two minutes as opposed to 35 well, minutes. Now you, well, now you've really, now you've really uh, witnessed that first hand play in the Pokemon TCG. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it takes a long time for that one turn oh. to go off. <laughs> <laughs> they condense all their shuffling and everything that you would do in the span of an entire game into one turn. Mm-hmm. It's like they had you in mind, Richard. Mm-hmm. Can't <laughs> afford right, to play so- Vintage. Play Pokemon TCG. <laughs> You're drawing like 50 cards and killing someone. Yeah. Um, real quick anecdote on uh, there was a IQ, uh, a modern IQ with uh, looks like Cheerios actually happened, Seth. Uh, we talked about this before, uh, all three of us, that SRAM maybe could could make the the Cheerios list a little more consistent. And it seems like someone's trying. Yeah, I mean, that deck is, <laughs> I, I said this before when we were talking about it, but the deck is absurd if you have a Pure Steel Paladin on turn two, and when you have eight Pure Steel Paladins instead of four Pure Steel Paladins, your odds of having one on turn two goes up significantly. So I think it was Zach Elsick, I think, that played it, who is yep. uh, of Lantern Control fame, is the original creator of that deck, and uh, he performed well at IQ. I think he was in first place heading into the top eight and finished fifth, and uh, according to his Twitter, was killing people on turn two really regularly. If you have your Pure Steel Paladin or SRAM on turn two, it's pretty easy to just win the game on the spot and storm off with Grape Shot. So I'm definitely excited to try it out. Out of all the new decks we've seen for Modern, post-banning, and with the new set release, this is the one I'm really excited to try out once the cards hit Magic Online. Yeah, so that was uh, an SCG Modern IQ, Denton, and you're right, it was Zach Elsick. Uh, got fifth place with the deck. So we'll see if it, it continues. I know there's been a lot of hype already. And card prices have been increasing because of it. So we'll see if it's the real thing going forward. All right. Does that leave us to fish mail? Yep. Let's go to fish mail. So if you have questions for us to answer, tweet at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll answer your questions on air. So first question from at Innate 87 uh, I've been putting together Eldrazi Tron, and what would be a good substitute for Chalice of the Void? All right, so most of the Eldrazi Tron decks do play Chalice of the Void, four of in the main deck. However, there are some builds that have had success without it, and the most common substitution is to play the deck 
relatively the same, but just slot in four expedition maps. And that gives you uh, more likelihood of putting together Tron, but less kind of disruption for the opponent. So you play more like a, a real Tron deck in the sense that your goal is to put together Tron and play big things really quickly. So that's probably where I'd start if you don't have chalices. All right. Next question from at Epic Pug. If Satan runs FNM, what's the format? What deck is he playing? Oh. <laughs> uh, Marodin Standard, and he's playing Affinity. Uh, it's got to be got to be Masks Limited, I think. And I don't know what he drafts, but God, that format is bad. Uh, you know what was even worse than Masks Limited is Mask Standard, where everyone was just playing Win Civi. Yeah, he he was playing he Rebels. Was... I bet if he's playing yeah. Mask Standard. Oh my god, <laughs> that was horrible. I don't actually have a format I hate. So apparently I just love magic, so I just pass. Or apparently I wasn't around during the, the heyday of bad standards. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of a bad one. And it's actually funny coming from me because I love playing Affinity, but I got to tell you, that, that, that standard was pretty miserable. I mean, I can't even deny the fact that it was miserable. I was I was kind of hoping one of us would say Frontier just to see what the comments would be like. <laughs> but uh, there was a time when you can you had Skull Clamp and Disciple of the Vault and all this stuff going on. It was really nuts. Sounds like an awesome format. What are yeah, you that sounds. Oh yeah, awesome if you're playing Affinity, but you were playing like ninety percent mirror matches. All right, next question from Frank Buda Cavill. Is a lack of control deck the problem with standard? I feel like strong control decks make people brew. Well, I think that control might be on the rise. Like, the biggest problem with control decks before is uh, it's hard to play the long game when you have Emrakul coming down and just ending the game on the spot. So without Emrakul, and to a lesser extent, Smuggler's Copter to pressure Planeswalkers and stuff, I think that we might be getting to a time when control isn't like the best deck, but it's definitely playable. We saw some Jason Raveler of secrets actually look really good on camera. So I'm hopeful that maybe this question isn't too relevant because control is actually going to be playable in our current standard. Yeah. I actually think it's the exact opposite. And I'm like 99% positive. Frank here is a control player because the control <laughs> decks are really strong. I think people just give up and stop brewing. Like, what is the point of playing anything when it just gets counterspelled and you don't make any progress? So, to me, when control's a thing, your innovation comes in playing, you know, the fourth Sphinx's Revelation over the third one or whatever. So, I actually think it's the opposite. I think that when you have really strong control decks, people actually stop brewing and people just stop playing magic when that happens. Yeah, I mean, Jim Davis got to a 15th place, 15th place finish with uh, blue-black control. And, I mean, over the course of the tournament, he did play the Sahili uh, combo decks. And what's a good way to stop Sahili combo twin is just counter everything. So they can't even combo. So, uh, And then just start flat and then just start playing Torrential Gear Hulk after Torrential Gear Hulk after Torrential Gear Hulk and they die. So I, I think some, some control lists are on the horizon, especially at Pro Tour. I think this is a blueprint to something. I don't know if we're going to see something different, but... I do think we will see control come back because when you have combo, you pretty much have to have control because that's a good way to stop it. And I, I think we're going to have a pretty good blend of things going on. All right. Next question from at Palazzo 47. What is the saltiest loss you've ever had? So I think, I think I've told this story before, but when I first started playing, uh, I was super casual and this new player joined our play group and brought, 
along with him a um, Orm's Chant Isochron Scepter deck that made it so essentially just never can do anything ever. And uh, after getting a scepter locked for like an entire game, and I'm playing like this janky casual, like eight drop artifacts from the original Mirrodin block deck. Uh, I was pretty, I was pretty mad in that one. I don't think I literally flipped the table, but I definitely remember having to go like walk around outside and like take a deep breath and calm myself down. Cause I was so frustrated. So it was like when I very first started playing. Um, I really can't remember. Honestly, uh, I'm sorry. What? I cannot hiding the salt. <laughs> no, I just, I don't even, I don't think I've really ever got that salty. I mean, I'm pretty competitive, so I like, you know, I don't like to lose, but I don't think I've really ever gotten that salty about it. Yeah, I typically don't get salty over individual games, but I think my saltiest magic experience was GP Vegas. I missed day two on the last round, so I think it's like round 11 or something. So I was X2, and I got my last, my last loss in the last round, invalidating like my 12 hours of magic that day. And my friends scrubbed out at, like, round three. So, you know, they were off partying in Vegas, and I was there slogging away for an additional ten hours, and then I lost in the last round, missed day two, totally wasted the entire day, and uh, I was pretty salty after that. Not not because of what happened in the game, but just, oh, it was, like, a terrible waste of time when you lose at the very last round of day one. Yeah, that that is pretty awful. <laughs> That's why I've never played GP ever again. <laughs> I'm just gonna go and uh, visit Artist Alley and uh, and out. side events. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, next question from this is hard. N R V N Q Restre. Uh, have any of you ever tried Magic Duels on Steam? Thoughts on its weird rarity restricted version of Standard. Who has uh, played Magic Duels played recently? Ma- <laughs> I have not played Magic Duels recently. I think I played it like one time a while ago, and it was it was all right. I mean, I don't really, yeah, I didn't really I, play it for that long. I'm kind of in the the same boat as Jazz. I have played it before, but not recently. It just didn't. As someone who likes to brew, having such a limited card pool just didn't really keep my interest. Yeah, and it's not even that. It's like maybe it's just the way the magic the way Magic Duels is set up. It's like I feel like I'm playing like fake Magic. Like that, that, not not like fake in the sense that like you're not playing magic, but non meaningful magic. So it's like uh, I'd rather just go like to my to the store and like just go play. Yeah, I played it. Uh, I, don't I don't know a couple of years ago uh, when it first came out. Uh, I think that was when uh, Scavenging Ooze was the the promo. But yep, you're right. I didn't really like it because a it was like pretty slow. Like the way the game turns out, like there's a lot of just waiting and weird animations. But b uh, like Seth said, the card pool is different, and it's just weird playing with the same cards, but not really. So I I didn't like that part of it. I I really wish the card pool was uh, at parity. And it's also kind of weird when you're unlocking like mythics and rares that you would never play <laughs> in real magic. I. As far as I think the other part of the question was about the rarity restrictions, which I think is something like you can only play one of a mythic, two of each rare in the same deck, something like that, maybe three uncommons and four commons. So it restricts the number of higher rarity cards you can play. And I don't like that idea as being a rule for magic in general, mostly because of just 
the complexity adds to the game. Like being able to say, oh, you can only play four of one cards nice and easy. But when you have cards that like change rarities, we've had cards that are mythic one core set and rare a couple of core sets later. It just creates all kinds of confusion for people, especially new players that are trying to build just a legal deck that they can play at their FNM. Yeah. Plus, it's very Although, hard to tell if your opponent has a legal deck because you got to start counting right. the rares and mythics and stuff like that. Whereas like a game like Hearthstone, it's digital, so it's, you know, it's just built in. So you don't have to worry about uh, someone running two legendaries of the same legendary. Although I always wondered how Magic would look if, if there was a restriction like that. It would be interesting, to One say the least, because on the other end of the... Yeah, I mean, on the other end of the spec... I mean, literally, it would be like <laughs> the time where you could only play Stoneforge Mystic if you are playing the, the, the uh, <laughs> Venn deck, like, straight up. You could play Stoneforge Mystic, which I always thought was, uh, to this day, was really funny. But I always thought it was like, how would that be? Because it would certainly make Mythics appear a lot more Mythic in that sense. And there's always that counter-argument. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think this will ever happen. But And I'm just kind of just theorizing here. But, I mean, there is that argument that's like, you know, with all these Mythics and Rares, and you get to jam-pack, like, four of them all into your deck. Like, after a while, like, everything just becomes, like, homogenized. And, like, you, why would you ever play anything other than these four mythics, like a Verderous Gearhulk, I'm just using an example, like, it, there's no other card that's better than it. Although, if you had to make the choice, like, do you play Verderous Gearhulk? Do you play Anissa? Do you play this? Like, I don't know. It would be interesting. A singleton standard could kind of solve the same thing, but be easier to conceptualize. Right. All right, next question from at Yona77. Looking to buy more Jun pieces at GP Pittsburgh, Catacombs or Bob's? Uh, any tips for buying at a GP? Well, you're the resident Jun player. I, I would assume you'd need Catacombs over Bobs, right? No, Bobs. Definitely Bobs. Really? Or, I mean, you can get away without playing Catacombs. Uh, you can play okay. Wooded Foothills or whatever, and uh, you might right. lose 1% of your matches because of it. Uh, whereas, well, I guess you, if if you're planning on putting Bobs in your deck, then definitely get Bobs. But if you're going to cut Bob for like Grim Player or something, yeah, then, then you know, don't buy Bobs. So if Bob is definitely going in your deck, I would put Bobs. Uh, you you yeah. win much more percentage of your games with a Bob than a Vernon Catacombs. As I thought about it, as it's coming out of my mouth, you're right. Like you could substitute a Wooded Foothills over Catacombs better than you could probably substitute like a Pain Seer over a Dark Confidant. <laughs> the Siphoner, the Good Sleeve Siphoner. Uh, I I think that card is pretty good. I don't know, man. I I think that card is pretty good. I mean, if you I, if you needed to sub Bob, I would put. Painful Truths or uh, Night's Whisper or something like that, but I'd rather just put Bob's in the deck. Uh, I'll go with Richard's advice as far as the actual card choices. I just wanted to point out, though, uh, the GP in Pittsburgh is February 11th or something, which is like right around maybe just before Modern Masters 2017 spoilers. So with all of your modern purchases right now, just keep that in mind. With a card like Dark, Dark Confidant, it's definitely a possibility that we see it get spoiled for Modern Masters 2017. How likely that is is up for debate, but just keep that in mind with your modern purchasing until we see the set list for Modern Masters 2017, which should be out like the end of February, I think. There's no way Bob sees a third reprinting, is there? He's just not a favor. He's not even that expensive. He's not that popular. I don't think Bob makes the cut this time. It's still pretty expensive, right? Isn't it still like forty plus dollars? Dark Confidant. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's like thirty five. Thirty seven ninety five. So 
I don't know. I think it's still possible. One thing we could see is Wizards print cards like that at Mythic for a couple sets in a row and then print them as rare at a future Modern Masters mm. and just kind of cash out the rest of their equity. So True. Then my bobs will become five cents afterwards. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Who needs more bobs? Like $15 bob. <laughs> All right. Next question from at Deadbear. Uh, Saffron Olive should do commentary in every Magic YouTube video. Lol, his crazy voice inflections. So when will uh, you be on the Pro Tour, kicking out LSV, <laughs> doing commentary stuff? Oh, I, I do not expect to ever get invited to that. I think uh, while mispronouncing things can work for a YouTube channel, I'm not sure Wizards would want that on official Pro Tour coverage. <laughs> uh, hey, if it brings in the views, I don't think... Yeah, I mean, you never know. Maybe I'll apply if there's ever a uh, one of those <laughs> random like wizards job postings that come across tri- <laughs> across Twitter for a pro tour commentary. Maybe I'll apply for it. Next question from at Tasty Snackies: If you were forced to play with only one block's worth of card forever, which block would you choose? Oh come on, this is this is an uh, easy one. I've, yeah. I've been saying the same one. It's Ravnica. <laughs> I, I get all nostalgic <laughs> I mean it was the first block you you picked up a magic card so. wait have any of you guys actually played block instructed when it was a thing yeah the uh, um, oh, the last time I played block was the Avacyn restored wait the silver oh god what was that card Some, something, silver something paladin <laughs> no, yeah it was a 5 mana 4-4 four, four with soul bond Something oh. Wolf Your Silverheart. Got it, yes. Oh, Wolf Your Silverheart. Yeah. That, that, that was the green one. Yep, yeah. yep, it sure was. I, I remember I, that I, card was like seven, eight bucks be, just because it was in block. <laughs> <laughs> a block used to be an actual like Pro Tour format, and I'm super thankful I got rid of it because I hated the block Pro Tour. It always felt so underpowered. Uh, I did play block a little bit just because it was on Magic Online. If I really had to pick one block... Oh, geez. I, I don't even know. I, I had a lot of fun playing the Lingering Souls Soren Intangible Virtue deck before it got banned. So oh, maybe maybe really? that format. Yeah. Oh, that was Avacyn's Restored, wasn't it? That whole block? I, I think it was like the big deck at first and then it got banned. Right. And then probably Wolf Your Silverheart was a thing after that. <laughs> You know what's you know what's funny is if, if you still go on the B and R, like you still see the block cards that are banned. It's like why why even list them? <laughs> <laughs> like, who does anyone legitimately play block? Come on, and it goes all the way back, like Lynn Civy. It does. It does. It does. <laughs> are people like, really still playing mass block construction? <laughs> I find me one store that is going that is playing masks block constructed, <laughs> and I want to go to that store. Uh, I think you guys stole my answer, but I had a different answer for a different reason. So, Innistrad block, but because of limited, uh, we weren't stipulated to constructed or limited. So, apparently, block constructed is where it's pretty good with lingering souls, but limited is also really good. So, I think that set had a good mixture of uh, limited and constructed playable cards. So, Innistrad all around. Apparently, if we're stuck in a desert island, we will bring some boxes of Innistrad with us. Yeah, that's a good choice. I gotta say, man, Innistrad was a really... The first Innistrad block was really, really good. I mean, Avacyn's Restored was a little weird, but the Limited was completely horrible. But overall, the block was really good. I, I, I mean, 
Other than that, the only block I really could ever be stuck with forever is the first Ravnica block. That 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 block was awesome. All right, so that is all of our fish mail for this week. Awesome! Thanks everyone for sending those in. Those were some really awesome questions. Um, and every week they are. They're, they're great. They're great to talk about. Uh, keep them up, and we will continue to answer them. Uh, gentlemen, anything else? You know, last minute thoughts. Anything out the door? So we have one more weekend of tournaments. Is that right? And then. The next weekend is Pro Tour? Yes. Dublin? Yes, that's correct. Yes, Dublin. Uh, we have one more weekend of SCG, and then the following weekend is Pro Tour. You're correct. And then right after the Pro Tour is the Super Bowl? Literally, like <laughs> Well, they hours. actually line up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming... <laughs> Hopefully the Wizards is so is bad at scheduling. So bad. <sighs> they did yeah. this last year, and I remember us talking about this last year. I, I, we were like, why did you do it like this? And hopefully they never do it again. Well, they <laughs> lightning strikes twice on this one. <laughs> and and they, they published the Super Bowl dates like years in advance. So there's really not any good excuse. <laughs> like Wizards could have easily like looked that up. Oh, we, we need to uh, get Morrow with Roger Goodell in a room or something. <laughs> Be like, excuse me, sir. You need to move the Super Bowl. It's appropriate with the revolt. Yeah, thank you. Imagine. <laughs> We're, we're going to have, like, 15,000 people watching our Twitch channel. We're gonna, <laughs> do you really want to go up against that, NFL? <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, surprisingly, there was a lot of people watching SCG. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I didn't watch it, but I was looking at the numbers, yeah. and Magic players and NFL watchers don't intersect, apparently, because there was a lot of people watching Star City Games, despite <laughs> the championship games going on. Like, yeah. sir, sir, Mr. Goodell, I think people would rather be listening to Rashad than Chris Collinsworth <laughs> that day. <laughs> no, no beef with Rashad. I just I had to make that joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it just seems so easy to move it a weekend. Like, what do you really what's what's the cost of moving it up by a weekend or back by a weekend to avoid? Because Super Bowl is pretty big in the U.S. Like, that's a, a national mm-hmm. holiday, essentially. Even people that don't care about football watch the Super Bowl. My grandmother watches the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> uh, if you're trying to make it, the Pro Tour a big, like, thing, it seems like you're working against that goal by having it at the same time as the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you already, like, it's in Dublin, so the, the scheduling, like, the, the, the viewing time for most, you know, North America is already pretty bad. You know, now that you're just scheduling it on the same day, like, I don't, I don't, you're, you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot on that one. I don't know, but uh, I mean, they did it twice in a row now, so I don't know if it's, it's, it might just be continue to be a trend. Well, I guess we'll have to see. It'll be interesting to look at the viewership numbers and kind of compare it to another pro tour. Maybe it just really doesn't matter. And, uh, there's not much of an overlap. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, the 15,000 people compared to uh, what's the numbers on the Super Bowl? Like how many millions? When you account for TV, I think la- I think last last year's Super Bowl, which was it was New England Seattle, right? I think had like broken the I don't know the Nielsen records or whatever. It was like millions of people or something. Yeah, tens of millions. I don't know yeah. the exact number, but it's definitely tens of millions. Maybe forty, fifty million people. Like it's a, a pretty massive number. Yeah, and this that was like record breaking. Well, one day, one day, Pro Tour will be the Super Bowl. One day. <laughs> I mean, if we I could just they, fill 60,000, 60,000 is a stadium. Yeah. Just get a stadium's worth watching Twitch. It's possible. Yeah, listen, I've seen those numbers they, on Twitch before. Listen, I think they would be happy with, like, getting the viewership, like, on a random Wednesday of a large streamer of, like, League of Legends or Hearthstone. Like, no, 
Wizards, which could easily be like fifty, sixty thousand on like a random Tuesday. I'm surprised Wizards hasn't tried this. We're going off a total tangent, but just get one of those yeah, big yeah. league streamers or Hearthstone streamers. Just throw a boatload of cash in their face and make them like <laughs> play Please, Ether Revolt pre release. Play our game. Yeah, just make Good them Lord. play Ether Revolt pre release. Play it on stream. <laughs> they, they, it doesn't happen. They kind yeah. of are doing that with YouTube. People that I never heard of that have big like gaming related followings have been getting yeah. uh, like sponsor paid sponsorship promo videos from Wizards where they talk about like spoil a card or something. So yeah, but they need to go ahead. Go ahead, finish. Oh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they got there with Twitch eventually. If that's not right, I, I solved it. Get Tom Brady to stream Eat the Revolt <laughs> <laughs> before the Super Bowl. <laughs> We've done hey, it. Card, King- Card Kingdom was onto something with the two, uh, you know, Seattle Seahawks players. Maybe th- they got to start doing something like that, but only like Wizards needs to start doing that, not just Card Kingdom. Like, like after Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl and they ask him where yeah. he's going to go, he says, "I'm going to go play Magic: The Gathering." <laughs> <laughs> I'm heading to my local gaming store for the free promo, <laughs> where you could find me, Tom Brady, <laughs> and playing Magic: The Gathering at Aether Ribble. And like he's reading from a card <laughs> oh, butchering the names <laughs> where have they they have just recently banned em uh, what <laughs> so go out and enjoy standard I, I, uh. <laughs> all right i think that's that, that about wraps it up for this episode <laughs> so uh we will do this again next week so everyone enjoy uh we will get another round of of aether revolt standard so Come hear our thoughts uh, a week from now. So take care, everyone. This is the MTG Goldfish Crew signing out.